Been no better road team this entire postseason, so feeling pretty good about that cup coming down Market Street. A team that was in last place on January 3rd. The wait is over. The St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions for the first time in franchise history. I gotta think the party's gonna start bubbling in St. Louis, Joe. For the first time ever, the St. Louis Blues are hoisting the Stanley Cup. Tanner Hoops with you in the sports pen. Glad to have you along. Joined by a special guest, knows a thing or two about NHL Stanley Cup playoff hockey, and that is Justin Florick, the first ever Marquette native to play in the NHL, even scored a goal in the playoffs. Justin, really appreciate you being here, man. Thanks for having me. Well, I tell you what, a fun game to watch last night. Kind of a mirror image of Game 6 in a way. If you watched the first 10 minutes of Game 6 and nothing else, you would have thought the Blues would go on to win. Tuca was just that good that he was able to swing momentum Boston's way. It was kind of the mirror image of it last night. Jordan Bennington was the hot hand. Yeah, he definitely was. You know, the first 10 minutes of uh, Game 7, the Bruins came out hot. You know, they had a few great scoring chances and you know, if they bury one of those, it's a completely different game. But like you say, Bennington shut the door, and, you know, he was, uh, you know, the story of Game 7, I think. Oh, and I feel for Tuca because he was that good. I said on the show yesterday, if it was a one nothing game, 2-1, to one, something like that, there would be a case, an unlikely case, but still would be a case that Tuca could win the Conn Smythe because he's been that good in the playoffs. I feel for him because now all the pressure's coming down on him. Yeah, again, you know, it, it's tough. Goalies, you know, got to be one of the harder positions in all of sports, I think, you know, from a pressure standpoint. So, you know, he brought him to Game 7. You know, I think he did everything he could. And unfortunately, you know, things went the way they did for him in Game 7. But, uh, you know, that shouldn't take away from his performance. It's going to, you know, because they lost. But, uh, you know, he had a great playoff run for him. Well, I tell you what, you played for Boston. You played under this coaching staff during your time in Providence. Tell me about Bruce Cassidy and that staff. What might be going through their heads as they wake up today? Yeah, oh, well, I mean, I, I can't even imagine what's going through their heads. But uh, but they're a great coaching staff. You know, uh, Bruce Cassidy, he was my head coach for three years in Providence. Uh, you know, he's a really intelligent coach, and you saw what he, he kind of went in there and changed the dynamic of how the Bruins uh, – kind of played a lot more offensive and uh you know they went on a great run the great team and uh, you know it's bummer to see you know especially assistant coaches everyone top down you know I was with in Providence so uh it was tough to see him lose like that uh you know but I think they still have really good things you know coming in their future their core group's still fairly young and and you know Pasternak's really young and you know he's top 10 player in the league so so they still got some uh some chances left here I think with the core group they have. Well, Boston outshot St. Louis 33-20 to on the night, but St. Louis played a physical style of hockey. They built that 4 nothing lead. They never looked back. I want to get your thoughts on this because Eddie Olchek brought it up a few days ago. He said that when you go on the road, it is all business. You're on a schedule. You're with the team constantly. Your only focus is the game, whereas at home, you got other responsibilities you're taking care of. Is there any truth to that from your playing experience? Yeah, I would, uh, you know, to some extent, definitely, you know, when you're at home, you're a little more comfortable and you're sleeping in your own bed and, you know, with your family and everything like that. But at the same time, when you're on the road, like you say, it's a business trip. There's no other, uh, you know, nothing else on your mind. And like you say, you stick to the itinerary, you know, you go to the rink, you eat lunch, you go back to the rink and, you know, you go to work. And when I was in Boston for playoffs, actually, they had us all stay in a hotel. So it was kind of a road mentality. 
when we were in home uh, in Boston. So that was a first for me. But, uh, you know, I think I've heard a lot of teams do that in the NFL, NHL, and uh, it was kind of, you know, interesting way to look at it. Well, I tell you what, Ryan O'Reilly recorded 23 points over the course of these playoffs. That's a Blues record. He won the Conn Smythe Trophy last night. For me, that pick was a no-brainer. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's such a good player, and uh, you know, I've heard he's a great guy as well, so, you know, that makes it even better. So, um, I mean, I think you make a case for Bennington, but, uh, you know, O'Reilly definitely deserved it. Did you get to know some of the guys that took the ice last night? I mean, just from my time in Boston, yeah, I probably played with a little over half of those guys. And, uh, you know, everyone always asks me, you know, the first question, how's Brad Marchand as a guy? <laughs> and I tell everyone, you know, he was the nicest guy to me when I went up there. You know, I was you know, one of the young guys, and he, he kind of brought me under his wing. And, you know, he was the nicest guy to me. He gave me rides to the rink and uh, really a good guy. I mean, and he plays his role well. So, uh you know, he makes it easy to hate him on the ice, but off the ice, uh, he's a really good guy. Is he one of those guys that you love playing with, but you hate playing against? That's exactly it. You know, I tell everyone, like, you know what? If he was on the Detroit Red Wings, he would be everybody's favorite <laughs> player here. So, I tell you what, uh, St. Louis wins the Cup. I know you're a Boston guy, but I am happy for that fan base winning the Cup for the first time ever. Oh, exactly. I have, uh, throughout the years, I've played with a few people from St. Louis and, you know, in pro hockey and it's so cool, you know, they're diehard Blues fans, so I was texting them last night, and they just say that city's just absolutely going crazy, and they've kind of been starved for their Stanley Cup, they've had some amazing teams looking back, you know, I grew up a Wings fan, you look at some of the teams the Blues had, and, you know, unfortunately they ran into the Wings, and, you know, in the mid-90s, and late 90s, early 2000s, and um, yeah, yeah, they definitely deserve it, and uh, they put together a great team this year. Well, I want to ask you about the atmosphere in Boston, the playoff atmosphere, because that's where you scored your first career goal. You did so in your hometown Red Wings. Tell me about that moment. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I still look back, and I don't even, doesn't seem real, but, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, one of the coolest things in my life. You know, my, uh, my parents, where they Boston flew my parents into the game, and uh, my wife was there with my newborn daughter. So they said uh, when I scored the goal, I think my mom, my dad, and my wife were crying, and then uh, my I think she was two months old daughter was sleeping. So uh, it was an amazing experience. You know, like any fan base, you know, playoffs are just amazing. But Boston was something special. You know, with the original six and just the culture and sports out there is wild. So what is the TD Garden like when hosting a playoff game? Yeah, I mean, uh, just the Boston fans are a different breed. They're they're diehard fans, and uh, you know they live and breathe their sports. So it, it was really cool to be a part of that, and and then to also do it against the Wings. You know, I uh, playing playoff hockey in Joe Louis Arena again. You know, one of the coolest things. You know, getting the octopus thrown on the ice. It, it was just like uh, you know, I'm getting the chills just thinking about it. It, it was amazing, and uh, you know, I was very fortunate to do it. And you know, lucky enough to have my family with me through all of it. Talking with former Boston Bruin Justin Florick, Marquette native as well. Justin, tell me about your time at Northern Michigan. You wore the C on your Wildcat jersey for a couple of years. Tell me how the Wildcats prepared you for the NHL. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, growing up, I always wanted to play for Northern Michigan. So when it came time to, you know, choose where to go to college, uh, you know, sat down with Walt and, you know, He's just he was a great coach, great mentor for me, you know, through my college years. So it was an easy decision for me to come play at home again, in front of my family, all my friends, and 
you know, it's so fortunate to do it. And, and we had some really good teams, you know, while I was here. So it was it was awesome to make the NCAA tournament and uh, and do some cool things. But at the same time, be in front of my family. And um, Walt was a great coach for me because he uh, he was a pro hockey coach. You know, we coached in the AHL, the NHL. So he knew the game. He knew how to kind of prepare me. And, and we had a lot of guys go on to sign NHL contracts. I think one of my years we had five guys sign NHL contracts. So... He did a great job, I think, preparing us all, and uh, and it just showed, you know, the teams we had and how, uh, you know, our record was. What's one thing about Bruce Cassidy that our listeners should know that they wouldn't know just watching him on TV? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he, he, he's. <laughs> I got to get the information from you while I got you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he, like I said, he's a great guy, and uh, he's 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 got some good humor to him. He's you know dry dry humor kind of guy, but. Uh, you know, you never know how to take it, but you know he means it well. He's got a big heart, and uh, and he is his offensive mind. I think uh, just the power play, you know, he puts together, and that's one thing I remember being like, "What are you drawing up on the board?" But then you know, you execute it in practice, get used to doing it, and then you know, in games, teams have no idea what you're doing, and it's working against them. So he just got a different mind, and uh, you know, it's working. And you know, he's only been in the league a few years as a head coach now, and uh, he's doing great things. Let's talk about some of your road trips. When I talk to the high school athletes, I make sure to ask them, who do you like to sit next to on the bus? Who makes road trips fun? Did you have any teammate like that when you're with Boston, with Providence, what have you? Yeah, well, I mean, like I already mentioned, Marshawn, you know, he was a guy that always keeps the mood light and uh, a good time. Johnny Boychuk, he's Mm -hmm. on the Islanders now, but he was just one of those locker room guys that, you know, brings a smile to anybody's face but you know when it's time to be serious he can do that as well he was a great locker room guy um sean thornton was a good one and uh i mean tory krug he was young with me we were in providence together and he kind of had that uh that ability you know to make you laugh when everyone needed a smile but at the same time you know whenever needed to be serious and uh you know get going uh he was a guy that could do that as well well tell me about you you're heading over to austria here in a few months Yep, I, uh, I'll leave here at the end of July and uh, you know head over to Austria. I was in Germany for two years and now a uh, different league, but uh, not too far away uh, in Austria. So I'm really looking forward to it, uh, going to Linz, Austria. So, uh, yeah, I, I really don't know what to expect. I've heard it's a beautiful city, beautiful country. I've drove through it, but uh, haven't stayed, so I'm really looking forward to a new experience. Well, tell me about how it came to be that you found a place. In, it's not a place I would think of as a hockey country, but do they have a pretty good hockey culture there? Yeah, they do. Uh, I mean, it kind of just stemmed. I have a European agent over there, so uh, every league or every country basically has their own league. You know, there's Finland, Sweden, Germany, Switzerland. They all have their own leagues, and, and Austria is no different. So um, I think there's a few teams in Italy in this league, though. Most of them are in Austria and uh, maybe one in Hungary. But uh, it'll be a cool experience, you know. I'm very fortunate to, you know, take my family over there and experience, you know, the European lifestyle. My daughter went to a German school for the past two years, so it's cool to see her kind of learn German. And uh, it's been a great experience for our family. Justin Florick, former NHLer with the Boston Bruins and Marquette native. Flo, really appreciate you being here. We'll look forward to having you on again sometime. All the best out there in Austria. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Let's take a timeout. When we come back, the hockey season ended last night. Will the basketball season end tonight? 
That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN UP and on the ESPN UP app. Welcome back to the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Danner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along. We welcome in Jake Durant per usual. He's at a local 3 TV, comes in every Thursday. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Appreciate you being here, waiting a little bit. It was nice to get Joe Flo on for a little bit and yeah. talk a little hockey. Definitely shout out to uh, Justin Florick. He was a he's a fellow Marquette Senior High School alum. He was a couple years under me, I think, but mm-hmm. um, just growing up in Marquette, you know, been able to have a few conversations with him. You know, nice guy, obviously very talented. You know, played in the NHL. That's that's huge, especially coming from uh, the UP. So you know, way to make the UP proud. And and yeah, it was definitely. Uh, interesting to hear his insight of, 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 a, of a player who actually knows a lot about the X's and, X's and O's of the game. So I don't think anyone was able to predict how this season was going to go, especially after June 3rd. And I tell you what, it's almost strange to think that the road team dominates the Stanley Cup final in a Game 7, but now three straight Game 7s have gone to the road team in the Stanley Cup final. Ironically, the last one to do it, the Bruins, back in 2011, when they went on the road and beat Vancouver, and the other was the 2009 Penguins when they came to Detroit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, you know, I was, I thought the the Boston Bruins were gonna win uh, the game last night because of that home ice, and and it just seemed like they had all the momentum. But the way that game played out, I mean, I didn't definitely didn't see it coming. I I did think the Blues could possibly pull it out, but to to do it like that, I mean, that should have been a four nothing shutout. They, I know the uh, Bruins scored late. You know, a shot in the upper left corner, but but yeah, man, it was interesting. Um, I'm, it got me thinking, like, what is hockey like? The sport where where home home ice is like the least important. Like, what <laughs> sport is it? Baseball? Like, does it matter? I know basketball home court's pretty huge. Football mm-hmm. is the same. Um, you know, if I was a betting person, I would I would bet on the home team for the most part. But it seems like um, hockey it's it's not as important, and and I'm not really sure about baseball, but. Um, yeah, it was just interesting to see. I mean, when you talk about the Blues, just thinking how they were in last place and obviously bringing in that, that goaltender, uh, Bennington, and then obviously with the coaching change, just, just what a new, fresh, I guess, idea of how a team should be ran, a fresh outlook, I guess you can say, on, on personnel and things and how a team should run will do for a team. I mean, they very well could have easily just packed it in and, and called it a season and, and just played for it for the draft. But, I mean, just what a story. It's, it's, it's definitely one of those stories that people will, rem- will remember for a long time. As a fan, I went through that about three years ago when the Pittsburgh Penguins won in 2016. They fired Mike Johnson. Don't give me that look. I, I can't stand the Penguins, man. <laughs> Mike Johnston was fired in mid-December of 2015. They brought in Mike Sullivan. They brought him up, I should say, from the AHL affiliate, Wilkes-Barre, and he ends up leading them to the cup, and he's been the head coach ever since. They do something similar with Baruby. Sometimes you've got the personnel. You just need to get the right guy with the right vision to uh, you know, give you a push in the right direction. Obviously, there was one big piece that St. Louis needed to get outside of the coaching staff, and that was Jordan Bennington. But there's one big acquisition that nobody's talking about enough. Back when the Blues were going through their struggles, I think this was November, and I've got some audio from I'm going to have to dig deep. I want to try and find it before Ryan Steig comes on tomorrow because he was the one who brought it up. And again, this was like November. I think Mike Yo was still a head coach at St. Louis at the time. They brought in a therapy dog named Barkley. Oh, really? They brought a therapy dog in to try and, uh, I don't know, get boost team morale or something. Shouldn't he get 
credit for the cup too. I mean, he should he put should Barkley's name in the cup. I was gonna say put him on the cup, get him a ring. I mean, yeah, I mean that's interesting. Yeah, I don't know, you know, no how, one remembers that. No, I mean, um, but it, but like you said, I mean, you bring in a coach, you bring in like you said in this unique case a therapy dog. It's really about getting the players in the right mindset. Um, you bring in a, a player's coach, someone that where the coach where the players will buy into to the the vision of the head coach and. And everything just has to line up. I mean, with every sport, everyone has to buy into the system. They got to believe that what they're doing is is going to be the right way and is going to lead them to to the promised land. And um, like you said, Baruby came in and and he had he had the answers and then the team bought in and and I guess the dog came in and, and added a little spice as well. And it was just the perfect formula and and uh, you know it led to the Stanley Cup championship. I tell you what, I want to get on to basketball because I teased that we would, but I've got this. I came across a really cool trivia question. I had a good one a few days ago. I don't know if you heard that one. Who are the only two active baseball players that have converted non-assisted triple play? I found another good one, I thought. With last night's St. Louis victory, and I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm just kind of throwing it okay. out there if a uh, if, uh, like, listener <laughs> enjoys this. Um, with last night's St. Louis victory, which college hockey program has now produced the most Stanley Cup uh, champions? Do you want me to guess? Oh, if you want to guess, you don't have to. Uh... Boston University. Almost. Oof. Boston College. Oh. Zach no. said, I was waiting for you to. <laughs> You're like, I, know, I saw your face. I was like, should I stop? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Zach Sanford is the 20th BC alum to win the Stanley Cup. So I thought that was a fun trivia question. I'm going to look up. I want to look up who's second, third, fourth, because North Dakota's got to be up there. Minnesota's got to be up there. I basically, yeah, I basically was just like, I, I need to think of a, just a, a decent team, I guess. You think about some of those major hockey East schools. Coast something, yeah. A lot of East Coast, New England area, some northern, well, at least Minnesota mm-hmm. in this part of the country. Yeah, but I tell you what, we have got game six of the NBA Finals tonight. Hockey season ended last night. Basketball could end tonight. I hope not. Hot take, I don't think it will. I don't think it will either. I don't. I think the Warriors are going to win tonight, force a game seven. They're just not going to lose all three games at Oracle in this final series. They're not going to. Yeah, I mean, I would be very shocked if they do if they do lose tonight. I'm. They got... You know, I think a, a problem with this team, especially throughout this this year specifically, is is they've kind of find it found it hard to get up for for challenges and things like that. Um, I mean, right now you have so much that you can you know find that motivation, that energy to play for. You know, obviously with KD going down, that that's number one. You know, these players want to want to play for their for their fallen uh, brother who who came back early and sacrificed. You know, he sacrificed. He could potentially sacrifice his career and, mm-hmm. and the future of his career to try to come back and and play and and get a three peat and help this team. You know, three peat. Um, but it's also the last game at Oracle Arena. They've been playing in that building for almost five over fifty years, five decades. Um, you don't want to lose. You never want to lose the last game in an mm-hmm. arena that just, just you know it's history it's it's something you don't want to do so you know the crowd is going to be hyped um and then obviously you know they're they're champions they're not going to go down easy you know it's hard to to end up a team season but it's even harder when when you're facing a a champion and uh, i just don't see them like you said going down again at home i just i just don't see it like i said home court advantage is huge in the nba and I just have a feeling somebody's going to step up and play one of those mm-hmm. legendary games, whether it be Clay. You know, he's shown throughout his career he can he can get absolutely on fire and just start knocking down shots. Obviously, Steph Curry, you know, is is a huge is a huge uh, piece to their puzzle. 
I want to see Draymond. I want to see Draymond finally, you know, if Draymond can come out and be that facilitator, bring that edge, um, play defense, um, and just get into the heads and, and, and not let his emotion take him out of the game. And, and if he can assist the ball and get players open, I think they have a good chance. They're going to need a guy like Andre Iguodala to step up or or maybe like an Andrew Bogut or something mm-hmm. to, to have an impact. They're going to need, you know, some something, a little spark from somebody else. Maybe it's a, a, a Quinn Cook, a guy that comes off the bench, and he gives them pretty good minutes when he comes in. Just They're going to need something. Um, obviously, Toronto's going to come in. I think all the pressure's on Toronto. Oh, yeah. You know, I honestly really don't think, you know, it's, it's crazy to think that there's not much pressure on Golden State because of all the adversity they have faced. But, mm-hmm. but with Toronto losing like they did at home when they could have easily, I heard the champagne was coming down the elevator. I heard they were ready to celebrate and then for that to happen to them now you know the pressure is going to be put on them and then if they don't win tonight they go back home anything can happen but you're talking about tremendous tremendous pressure because you don't want to give up a 3-1 lead the Warriors know all about that Um, and then obviously this is the first time it could happen and, and you're going to be on your home court. You don't want to have a team celebrate on your home court. So, I mean, all the pressure's on Toronto. Well, and the way that Game 5 ended, Nick Nurse may never live that down, calling that timeout when they had the lead. And, and I love Nick Nurse, and I hope that's not how he's remembered. In that sense, I do want Toronto to be able to come out on top with it because otherwise he's going to go down in history as the guy who made maybe the worst timeout call in the history of basketball. Yeah, I mean, it was very unfortunate. Obviously, if they won the game, no one would have would have even brought it up. But mm-hmm. I mean, you don't. Basketball is a game of momentum. You don't mm-hmm. stop a rhythm. You don't. You know, there's players have a rhythm they're in. You know, a mentality. You don't just call a timeout when when your best player is on just on fire. That just mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense. Kawhi but, was on like a ten zero run by himself. Yeah, and and honestly, when I was watching the game, it would you know you kind of thought to yourself, okay, this is the moment. This is where his legacy, you know, he's going to build part of his legacy right here. You know, this is when he's going to get aggressive, and, and he was doing that. And obviously the momentum died. But, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why they lost that game. I I, I laughed when Kyle Lowry shot. I, I think Draymond might have got a piece of it. But, I mean, <laughs> Kyle Lowry, I, I give him a lot of, a lot of you know, a lot of hate a little bit just because he never shows up in previous no. years in the playoffs. He's played better this this year, but I mean, for Kyle Lowry to take that shot in the corner, and it's just a brick off. Give it to Siakam if you're going to let anyone Anybody, besides but Kawhi I just really, Yeah, it. I just don't think... For some reason, I just I don't trust Kyle Lowry in really high-pressure situations. He kind of seems to let the moment get too big for him, and I think that was one of those those moments. But I think later on, it did... Somebody did show that Draymond might have got like a little finger on it, mm-hmm. so maybe that kind of shifted it, but I mean, that was a, just a terrible shot. If the Warriors were at full strength, even without Durant, if the rest of their team was healthy, I think we'd all feel pretty confident that they are going to win the next two games and end up winning the series. Yet they're so hard to close out. There's still that inkling. There's still that possibility. They're they're a hard team to close out. They really are. The last two times the Warriors have faced elimination, just a couple of nights ago in Toronto and last year's Western Conference Final against uh, Houston, the two teams in those games, uh, Houston and Toronto, combined to shoot 15 of 76 from behind the arc. They just couldn't close them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you're talking about a team in Golden State where, you know, they have a high-octane offense, and when you're facing a team like that, they can, you know, they can kind of erase deficits very quickly, and, and the, men, mentally for uh, their opponents, that's very draining. I mean, if you're up 12 and then all of a sudden, you know, Golden State's all tied up the game with just like that, I mean, it's kind of like, what, really? Like, come on, guys. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's tough to, to think. 
like I said, man, my money's on Golden State even at you know fifty percent health, just because mm-hmm. they have the shooting that you never really see. And and I know Toronto's a good team. I didn't really give them a chance when the series started. I said mm-hmm. I said Golden State was going to win. I think in five games. I definitely underestimated. You know, I definitely underestimated Toronto. They're a great team, a really good defensive team, a very balanced team. Siakam kind of has shocked me in the way he's been able to to progress as a player. Like I said, Kyle Lowry has stepped up and he's had games. Um, Danny Green's had has his moments, and, and I mean they have depth as well. They have mm-hmm. the depth, but um, I don't know. Like you got said, a big dose of Norman Powell last game too. Yeah, I mean then Norman like, guys <laughs> like that coming in and just doing stuff. So I mean, shout out to them. Um, they're a great team. They're a great opponent, a worthy opponent, and they deserve a championship if they if they were able to win it. Um, I, I still think Golden State will win it all in a game seven. I, until I see them go down, I know LeBron and Kyrie did it, and I was shocked then, but. They've built that mystique back up again that they, they're somewhat unbeatable, even without Kevin Durant, even with all the injuries and everything that's going on. It, until I see them lose and I see the Raptors holding up that, that trophy and celebrating, I won't believe it. I'm going with the Warriors in seven. One of the biggest nights in Canada of the sports calendar year, and they've got basketball to look forward to over here. Uh, but I tell you what, it is one of the biggest nights in Canada, not just for Canadian fans, but in Canada as a whole – because the CFL kicks off tonight. The Canadian Football League will open up the 2019 season this evening at Tim Hortons Field when Hamilton welcomes Saskatchewan. 7 o'clock kickoff. Probably not going to watch because there's basketball on. Yeah. And it's going to be here on ESPN yeah. as well. A little later in the, on in the CFL season, I might tune in. Just because like, I'm a, I just love football, even if it's like a little bit different, even if it's a CFL. Are you a CFL fan? I'm not. I'm not necessarily a CFL fan. I'm a football fan, so I like to tune in. Mm-hmm. And there's those games where you're watching it, and you kind of re- realize, like, oh, I remember this guy from college. He play. Oh, he plays up yes. here in the CFL. Um, former enemy uh, wide receiver Mar- Marcus Tucker uh, mm-hmm. signed. Um, I forgot what team he plays for. It might be Hamilton. I'm not really sure. Um, I'm gonna need a fact checker. Do you have one of those here? Yeah, I've got a fact checker here. Oh, perfect. Uh. He does play for Hamilton. Oh, he plays for Hamilton. Yeah, wide receiver for the Tiger Cats. How oh, about that? Yeah, so former, he was amazing uh, at NMU. Obviously, he had his stint with the Steelers on their practice squad. Mm-hmm. Now he's up there. Uh, as far as I, I can, I can probably tell he'll be a little. He'll be you know a productive member of that team up in the CFL. So um, definitely rooting on uh, Marcus Tucker too. Well, I tell you what, uh, that's going to be on tonight, and again, it'll be here on ESPN UP. Last thing before we go to break. When the first uh, story broke that Kevin Durant had suffered a ruptured Achilles, I thought he is no longer the most sought-after free agent when free agency opens here in a couple of weeks. I thought it would be far and away Kawhi Leonard. But you know what? Now that I'm hearing reaction, I, I don't know that teams are really deterred from going after Kevin Durant or taking the chance. I think there's still a lot of teams who are going to pay him the Supermax because of what he could be. He's a giant mystery box right now. Yesterday, in, uh, he posted on his Instagram after his surgery, he seemed like he was in good spirits, like it was something that he wrote himself. I mean, I've had a few major surgeries myself, and I can tell you that the first few hours after, he, uh, are uh, you are always in good spirits <laughs> because, <laughs> I get, for yeah. obvious reasons. But yeah. uh, uh, but I, I, I don't know if he's just putting on a face so that teams shouldn't you know, feel discouraged about trying to sign him. But I'm not sure that there is as big of a gap between him and Kawhi as I first thought. I, I think there's still a lot of teams that are going to take a chance on him and give him the Supermax mm-hmm. just because of the potential uh, that he has as a player. 
and I I don't think he cost himself a lot of money based no. on the injury that he had. I don't think so either. I never once thought, you know, there is times when players go down and you're like, like when Boogie Cousin went down, you're kind of like, oh, yeah. he, that's very unfortunate. But with Durant, I don't think the situation changed. I think there's teams out there that are going to pay him. I mean, you can't teach seven-plus feet, long arms, uh, a lethal shooter, uh, offensive juggernaut. Even at 75%, you know, it's, it's hard to come back from Achilles, Kevin Durant's, better than most i especially mean especially at age 32 he, he, right and and you know he is will still be able to shoot the ball like like no other um but but yeah i mean you can't teach that it's very unique teams are going to go after that and and from what i hear and and things like that Kawhi leonard and whoever represents him they're very hard to get a hold of mm-hmm. um you know Kawhi's not much of a talker <laughs> you know he's kind of awkward um, so and and obviously he's he's very busy right now. So so you don't hear much of Kawhi. You know you hear the L.A. rumblings, but or maybe staying, but you don't really hear of other teams really jumping on to try to, to try to woose him, sway him to their teams. I do think Kevin Durant's gonna get the supermax deal. If I was a GM, I would still be throwing the money out because you know, like I said, even if he comes back not fully healthy, he's still one of the better players in the league. And and he can definitely take a team over over the top to win multiple championships. So I think he's worth it. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along. Just across the bottom of the hour on this Thursday afternoon, let's take our next time out. Coming up, did the NCAA go too far? Tom Izzo has been hit with a sanction. What do we make of it? That's next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Welcome back to The Sports Pen. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along in this Thursday afternoon. Here is your Sports Center update. Jonas Valanciunas, who was traded by the Raptors in February, imagine if they still had him, has declined a $17 million contract option with Memphis. He will officially enter free agency. Women's soccer earlier today, Brazil's Marta Vieira da Silva converted a penalty kick against Australia. That makes her the first player ever to score five, uh, excuse me, score a goal in five different World Cups. About that, that's, that's, that's impressive. impressive. That's longevity. longevity like yeah, that, yeah. Longevity. And the weird thing is, it's never happened before. It could happen twice in this tournament. Canada's Christine Sinclair has scored in four different World Cups. If she does score a goal any time during this World Cup, she would also become uh, the one of the only two players to score in five different World Cups. Canada plays France tomorrow. And finally, beachgoers in the town of Orange Beach, Alabama, came across several watertight crates that had washed ashore. They contained 21 pounds of marijuana and 39 kilos of cocaine. Police believe that the drugs came from a boat in the Gulf of Mexico, and they appraised the narcotics at $1 million. How about that? I always wonder, you know, I've, I've seen a few movies with that type of plot, mm-hmm. and I've always wondered what I would do. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm just saying. That's, that, that well, you, you would get, report them to the police. Of like course. You're supposed to. Of course. That's exactly of course. what you Ex- would exactly do. what I would do. <laughs> Moving on. Danner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along. In case you missed it, Michigan State men's basketball coach Tom Izzo was slapped with an NCAA violation earlier this week. Flashback to March, the state basketball tournament. Iron Mountain, which is Izzo's alum, just about an hour from here, took, what is it, a nine-hour trip from there to Lansing? That's horrible. But they go down for the state basketball tournament, their first-ever trip to the state finals, so they probably didn't mind it all that much. Izzo, the most famous alum, was showing the current team around the Breslin Center. He was giving them a tour. Uh, He reported it. It's going down as a self-reported violation because he was asked about it, you know, 
what it was like having his high school at his current arena for the state basketball championship. He said it was great, took him out for a tour and what have you. The NCAA counted that as a self-reported violation because it violates technically uh, the NCAA's recruiting rule, even though no Iron Mountain players are currently being recruited by Michigan State, uh, that you still can't have those players at a facility where they are playing an interscholastic game, which is stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what, what it started out as a kind gesture by Tom Izzo, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, I, like like you said, it just doesn't make any sense for me. If you're not, if if state isn't recruiting any of these players, no. why does it make a difference? I can see if maybe they were recruiting a kid, you know, and it just so happened they made it the state, and then blah blah blah, mm-hmm. you know. I, if there was any special interest, I get it. But I mean, when was the last time Iron Mountain made it that far? You know, something these kids are going to remember forever. You know, a lot of these kids won't even play Division, you know, one, two, or three college basketball. Um, and, and like you one said, one of them's playing football at Northern. Exactly, you're right. Um, but like, like, but going back to that, you know, it's it's something that you know is very rare, especially for teams up here. Um, and when we talk about the strong connection and the ties um, that Izzo has with with Iron Mountain, I mean, he he really was just trying to do it out of out of his kind heart. And then I was reading in in an article that he was he was planning on taking the team out to a dinner, um, and. I guess one of the administrators called him and said that he couldn't do that because mm-hmm. it's you know violating the NCAA policy. So it's just kind of unfortunate, you know. I don't really know what what's going to come of it. Obviously, they had to self-report themselves and blah blah blah. You know, I I don't think the 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 consequences should be huge. No. You know, I don't think that you're going to lose a scholarship or anything crazy like that. I think that would just be absurd. That'd be way too. Drastic. You know what I mean? But give him a verbal. The fact that you know, it even you know the fact that it even happened it wasn't. You know, I don't get it because okay, so they're, if they're not playing a game, so if they, if he did it the day after the game, everything's fine. Yeah, that that, that, well, that doesn't make it, any it's sense. So stupid. Just doesn't make sense. So to me. I, I think it's dumb. The school's already said that they're not going to discipline as though they realize this is stupid. Um, but I don't know. The NCA is just going to continue to rule with an iron fist unless I don't know someone on that committee decides to change their ways and go about a different face. But they need to save face right now because they have a terrible image. And if this is anything more than a minimal fine, then you know, people are rightfully going to lose their minds. Especially up here in the UP. Yes. I mean, you know, Izzo's I, very loved up here. Very loved up here. So you'd have the whole UP. I mean, like you said, the image of the NCAA is absolutely terrible. Um, if you're on social media and stuff like that on a daily basis, you you hear people talking about how bad the NCAA is in every sport they handle. You know, you talk about taking advantage of players and things like that, and then all of these dumb policies. Maybe we're doing something wrong here. Maybe we should switch <laughs> this up. I don't know. I tell you what, uh, so we're we're talking about save face and what have you. And I want to get your thoughts on what happened a couple of days ago in the Women's World Cup. The U.S., you know, for some people, they say that it's a bad look, that the United States put up 13 goals on Thailand, a 13 nothing shutout, and then the celebrations afterwards. You know, and I've heard both sides of the argument. Um, you know, they get 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 goals. Uh, they're being celebrated the same as, like, the first three or so are. And I get people, you know, could say that looks classless, what have you. A lot of those goals being scored, though, were the first ever World Cup goals by several players there at the, uh, for the first time. So, yeah, I'm, I would be elated if that happens. I don't have a problem with that. Um, if, you know, 
I, I, I'll be honest. I didn't have a problem at all with the 13 goals. I thought that was fine. You know, that's soccer. Um, but, yeah, sometimes the celebrations maybe could have got out of hand. But at the same point, if it's your first tournament and you score a World Cup goal, absolutely celebrate it. I, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, and, and like you said, a lot of the for a lot of these women, it was their first Stanley or Stanley Cup, uh, World Cup game and things like that. So, and 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 for women's soccer and, and women who play soccer, the ultimate end game would be playing for the U- United States Women's National Team and playing in the in the World Cup. So it's something they've trained for, they've they've worked for their whole lives, and and you know coming across a goal in soccer isn't something that happens a lot mm-hmm. you know 13 goals obviously that's a lot of goals but you know the chance to score in these matches you only have a certain amount of matches and then it happens so many years so after so many years um you know the chance of you scoring a goal aren't aren't very great so yeah i mean every goal is 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 different and and you know this one person might have just scored one of those 13. Obviously, Alex Morgan had five. You know, maybe she could have toned it down a little bit after scoring five. But, but for the most part, man, I had no, I had no problem with it. And, and like the player said, it might have been more disrespectful to to Thailand if they just kind of quit playing mm-hmm. or, or exactly. played 50 percent. You know, that's that's kind of disrespectful in in its own right. Um, you know, these these women work hard to play and, and things like that. And I mean, I would I would feel worse if I saw a team just you know going through the motions against me because they didn't feel like we were a worthy opponent. So um, I don't think Thailand really took it as as kind of something that was supposed to be disrespectful. I think you know they kind of realized they have they have a lot of work to do, um, and and if they wanted to to not have that happen, then they should have stopped them. Um, so I just feel like I don't feel like anything was wrong. I was really shocked. I didn't watch the game, but mm. I was on Twitter and I was like, "All right, two nothing." You know, it was at halftime. I think it was three nothing at halftime. I'm like, "All right, that's pretty good. Mm. Good start for the women." I thought maybe it would end three nothing. You know, nothing would have happened. Four nothing. And then I started like seeing these tweets. Like every, it seemed like every thirty seconds, it was like a goal, and I'm like, "What is going on? This is crazy." So, Let's hang five hundred on them. Right? I want world I mean, domination. Isn't isn't these scores don't run. These, won't these goals matter though if if it's Goal close differential, yes like so why are people like that in itself should be the main reason why the US should want to score mm-hmm. you know like you said these goals will matter down the road let's start blanketing these goals in case something happens on the road where you know we have to have more goals than the other team when i was in college i used to coach high school soccer in the state of iowa and we had one game where there was just a team that was Absolutely outmatched. We went to state both years. I was coaching them, by the way. We were pretty oh. good. Oh, man. And uh, you know, not a total <laughs> flex, but uh, but there were plenty of games similar to that where they, our team was just flat out better. And whoever we played in a lot of nights was just no match for us. And there was one in particular. It was the last year before Iowa went to the 10-goal uh, mercy rule where the game's called once you get a 10-goal lead. We won 17-1. to no one was complaining about that, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, we we respected the opponent. Uh, you know, we still kept up a high energy level. The only stipulation was after I think it was like nine to nothing, uh, something like that, in the second half, that uh, no shots from inside the eighteen yard box. Oh. But you know, and he still played hard. Right. And if a guy like you know rotate in some JV guys and give them some opportunities, and if they got a goal, you know we'd celebrate for them. It's a special moment for them getting called up and getting their first varsity goal. Exactly, man. And it, as a competitor, like I said, if I was losing and I and I just witnessed a team just go fifty percent and and really just treat me like I was just a far inferior opponent, that would just 
that would kind of rub me the wrong way more than if I was just getting scored on because for the most part I would be in the huddle saying guys this is embarrassing what are we doing like it's this is our fault that this is happening and as long as you're not in people's faces taunting them mm-hmm. or or being you know unnecessarily rough or you know physical and trying to hurt somebody if you're just going about your business and and you're not like i could see if maybe if they did like some you know three minute like choreographed celebration that lasted forever and was like taunting the players and and stuff like that like okay you're taking it too far if you're just regularly celebrating a goal i mean it is what it is if i'm the opponent getting scored on it's my fault like this is happening like we got to do better this is crazy especially when you're talking about when you go back to the united states team when you're talking about different cultures and things like that you know there's different like mentality when you talk about competition as well so you got to be careful with that well it's going too soft there is a new study out i cannot even believe this whatever the department of education in canada put out a study i don't know if that's what they call it research you know with quotes uh they are encouraging schools to i'm not even kidding uh i don't i don't want to say ban but uh discourage allowing kids to play tag 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 because it singles out one individual. That's where the world's headed. That's the point of the game. (laughs) It's fun. It's not singling anybody out. Tag is fun. It's a child, like, playground game. Right. I'm talking about playground games. This might go a little off topic. Mm. Kick the can was my game. Yes. Kick the can. You single out somebody there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it goes back to the whole thing. I mean, if you don't like it, do something about it. You know, if you're, if you're the person who needs to tag somebody, tag somebody. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's called competition. It, it, it builds character. You don't, should be don't recycling get, that can, not kicking it. Yeah, you should That's be like. My problem with I, it. When I was a young guy, yeah, I want to be the person <laughs> tagging the people. I'm tagging everybody here. That's mm-hmm. what was my mindset. Yeah, you know. So I mean, yeah, like you said, everyone's going too soft these days, man. It's crazy. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant, with you. Glad to have you along in this Thursday afternoon. Let's take our last time out. Coming up, new developments in the shooting that left David Ortiz hospitalized. Plus, unique atmosphere tonight for the Tigers and Royals. We'll tell you about it next in the Sports Pen on ESPN UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any part of the show today, including our interview with Justin Florick, former Boston Bruin and Northern Michigan hockey captain, check it out on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore or Google Play. Just look up ESPN-UP. Well, it's been a tough week for Boston. I'm not just talking about the Stanley Cup final loss last night, but David Ortiz, beloved Boston icon, you know, he's beloved by everybody, not just Boston sports fans, was shot in his home country, the Dominican Republic, the other night. We are finding out new details that this was actually an assassination attempt. Uh, they had five suspects in custody yesterday. That's up to six now, and authorities are looking for a seventh whom they believe the, to be the mastermind behind this whole thing. The assassination attempt was worth less than $8,000 to kill a guy like David Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Like, what has he done? Like, why, He's one of the last people you'd want to kill. Right. That's, it just doesn't make sense because normally guys like, like a David Ortiz, especially when you go back to your, your, your country where you, know, you're, you were born and, and you represent and, and things like that, normally people celebrate these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like you said, $8,000, I mean, from, you, know, you hear that number and it, 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 it isn't a lot of money no. you know, when you talk about an assassination attempt. But um, I would have thought it would be more than like the hundreds of thousands or something like that. But I mean for these desperate people in other countries like that, that could have been worth it. It, it was just crazy to me that someone who's probably I would say would be looked at as a hero in that country mm-hmm. – 
somebody would try to you know try to come in and assassinate him. And I'd be like like Michael jo- like trying to you know assassinate Michael Jordan. Like who mm-hmm. who would try to do that? Like it just doesn't make sense. Or like LeBron or something. It just it's crazy. It's unfortunate. And I'm I'm honestly surprised that he was able to get out of it alive. Yeah. When you talk about a group of people with all the planning and and things like that, for him to come out and be able to to hopefully you know recover fully from it. I mean that's that's huge, but I mean just it's it's such a such sad news that that people would go out there for that that little of money and try to you know try to kill somebody in in general, not even David Ortiz, just in general kill just a human being. It's in, it's insane. Touch on something you said earlier about how you know he's a hero, especially to young men in the Dominican Republic. One of David Ortiz's best friends is current Boston Red Sox infielder Eduardo Nunez. They were never teammates. The only time they were teammates was the 2016 All-Star Game. Ortiz was there representing Boston. Nunez was there with the Twins. And Nunez says this is a terrible look for the Dominican Republic. Certainly it's one of his best friends, and he's he's upset about that. But, you know, what are people going to think of the Dominican Republic when this is one of your heroes and he's getting shot when he comes home? Yeah, it looks bad on the country, you know. Tourism, you never want to go to a place where there's high crime. And, and you know, a lot of these type of things stem from from jealousy, you know, people who don't have as much as, as say David Ortiz would and things like that and, and just and just evil people, man. Unfortunately the the world is littered with, with just evil people who will do whatever it takes to, to to gain a little bit and and unfortunately sometimes it means going to the extreme and that's and that's taking somebody out like uh you know, who's a popular figure and, and definitely someone who who put on the Dominican Republic obviously and and things like that. So, I mean, it's definitely a terrible, terrible look. And, and for those people, they should just be ashamed. And, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure the whole rest of the, the country there is probably going to look at it the same and, and just say these people are terrible and, and they don't deserve to, to see the light, of day, the light of day again. It's been a tough week for Boston sports fans. You had, obviously, I don't the care. news. <laughs> I don't, didn't they, what they, since 2000, I, I heard they won 12 championships. That 13-year-old kid who's been to 11 championship parades? Yeah, like, come on. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, it's been a tough week for Boston sports fans. You have the news about Ortiz, the Bruins losing last night, Kyrie Irving is uh, is leaving the Celtics, Anthony Davis doesn't want to come to the Celtics. That doesn't seem to discourage him from wanting to trade away their future for Rich him. Paul was saying... Like there's no way he's signing. I just think he's directing AD to LeBron. That's what it's yeah. going to happen. Oh, you know he is. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, but I tell you what, if there is any, I don't know if he's even called a silver lining. Uh, if there's any hope of a win for the Patriots this week, they did file a tampering charge with the NFL. They filed it against the Houston Texans because the Texans talked to General Manager Nick Casario about taking the same position with them. Kind of hope they lose. Yeah, so do I. Can they lose something? Like they shouldn't be able to even do anything. They should be like, all right, we got to even this out. Like just let the Texans do it because you guys are just so so good. Like, like I don't. Come on. Yeah, and he's the reason that they're a dynasty anyway. It's not Bill Belichick. It's not Tom right, Brady. Right. That's so petty. It's so petty for you, New England. It's Nick Casario. He's the whole reason that yeah. they have all these titles. And Ma- rings. You know, he's the ma- He must be the mastermind behind it. That's why Houston <laughs> wanted to go after him. Not one of the um, greatest quarterbacks ever. Not. The greatest coach ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, New England sometimes is petty. That organization. Um, obviously, I would I would think they have a little bit of an ego and and, and things like that. Um, um, but again, I guess if if you're Houston, you got to play by the rules. So we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. I, I'm 
New England, I, I can't wait for New England to just be bad. <laughs> it's one of those teams where it's like, is it? Am I ever going to see it? Are we ever going to see it? Is this going to be like like a Green Bay thing where where they bring someone in behind Brady and he's still just as good, and they they just keep going? Did they get not. this year, Jared Stidham? Yeah, Stidham. What if Jared Stidham ends up being like every time Aaron Rodgers behind Favre. It, it, it would not surprise me because every <laughs> time New England, like Garoppolo, it's like it's like. Why didn't I notice this guy? Mm-hmm. There has to be something about this guy. This guy's going to be just a beast. Same thing with Stidham. I thought he was going to be trash, but now that he's on New England, you know, maybe he has what it takes. So we're going to see. I have, I have high hopes in that division. I think, you know, um, I'm a huge Josh Rosen fan. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a huge Josh Rosen fan when I went and saw him play against Green Bay. So, yeah, I'm, I've got a root for the Dolphins. I know they, they're they in kind of a rebuild mode with a new uh, new head coach and stuff. But, you know, New York, the Jets are looking really good with all those additions. And, and Miami's a scrappy team. So hopefully they can make some noise. They had, a, they had a pretty good season, you know, quietly last season. I think there was a debate on one of the NFL talk shows earlier today. Who is going to be the Dolphins' starting quarterback? Like, there's actually... Someone thinks a possibility Josh Rosen will not start week one for the Dolphins. Well, to be honest with you, uh, Ryan Fitzmagic has that magic. He He's good for at least throwing six touchdowns in one pit or zero picks uh, in one game. But we never would have known that he, if Winston hadn't gotten suspended. Well, this one. is what I'm saying. You know, you bring him in once or twice. You let Rosen play. But when you really need a, you know, he's he, he has those through two, three games a season where he's looking like an MVP. You know, let those two, three games. Don't let him play four games. Don't let him suit up anymore. You, nope. know, you let him go out there for those two, three games. Pick wisely. And then, and then you bring you bring in Rosen. Or if Rosen starts to struggle, bring in the magic. You know, sprinkle a little magic. Salt Bay, you know, with the salt. You know, sprinkle a little Fitz magic in there. Let Rosen, you know, develop. And we're going to see what happens. I, I hope Rosen is a good quarterback because I, th- I thought he was going to be good. Um, he shredded the Packers. Everyone shredded the Packers last mm. season. But he looked like he knew what he was doing. So um, that's going to be interesting to see. There's a lot of good quarterbacks coming into the draft, too. So if, if Miami wants to draft one, they could do that, too. Or Justin Herbert will make his way to New England. I, somehow Trevor <laughs> no, somehow Trevor Lawrence, Sunshine, is going to make it to New England. Somehow, <laughs> some way, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to be ridiculous. Tanner Hoops, Jake Durant with you. Glad to have you along. Uh, a couple minutes left in the show. I want to get to baseball real quick. A unique environment tonight for the Tigers-Royals series finale. They are going to play uh, technically a home game for the Royals at TD Ameritrade Park in Omaha to kick off the College World Series, which begins on Saturday. It's pretty fun for some of the Michigan-area fans who come down and watch the Tigers stay for Michigan on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, that, that sets up to be a, a pretty pretty good weekend. I mean, that's that's a really cool experience for, obviously, the the people in, in Nebraska and, and the fans of, of of college baseball. I mean, what what an opportunity. I, I've never been in Nebraska, but just from what I've heard, there's not a whole lot to do. So to have uh, a team that's come in. That's what people say about Iowa. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. There's I would more say that, to do than people I was gonna say. I was going to say – I mean, well, I'm from the UP, you know, people say there's not a lot to do here, but, I mean, if you're an outdoorsy type, there's a lot to do oh, yeah. here. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just a unique opportunity for people to see two, two MLB teams come in. I think it, it sets the right vibes for the whole tournament, the whole weekend. Um, you know, it brings excitement. A lot of these players are going to be able to check out, you know, check out the game. A lot of these fans are going to be able to check out the game, like you said. It just makes for a good, you know, weekend, a, a memorable weekend. And I think it's pretty cool to kind of um, put – put a professional team in the college, the highest level college uh, teams together and, and kind of make it just a huge celebration of, of the sport. It's a fairly new ballpark, too. I'm, I'm a little surprised you've never even been to Nebraska, not just the College World Series. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, had, I know nothing about Nebraska. I know nothing about the, uh, 
the arena. Um, I'm just hoping Michigan can go in. I'm a huge Michigan University of Michigan fan. Don't follow college baseball. I haven't followed the Michigan baseball team all season. I'm not going to start tuning in now. Mm-hmm. So every time I do that, the team suddenly forgets <laughs> how to play. So I'm just going to let them do their thing, and if they are able to pull it off, then I'm going to celebrate. Um, and and yeah, you know, it, I think it's going to be a good. It's going to be a good time. But Michigan's been. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Them beating UCLA out there. It was very on the West Coast. Very impressive. You know, I, I I don't know a lot about about any of the teams, but to beat the top overall team on the West Side in their home area is, is huge. Well, you should have listened a couple of days ago. I broke down like each and every team that was on here. You know, I should have. You know, I'm a very busy man. Tanner. You can I'm check it out busy. on demand with yeah. our free mobile app. You can get from the Apple iStore Store or Google Play. You should do that. Actually, if you're out there, download that right now. I've done it. It's amazing. It's a great Thank app. You. It runs smoothly. Um, you know, it, it's legit. Well, I tell you what, that's going to be coming up later tonight. Maybe I'll tune into that one because of the atmosphere and what have you. Uh, I'll be having basketball on, I think, for the majority of the night. But you know, If you like were to, to guess who, like. who is going to shine tonight in this NBA game, you know, who is it going to be? There's going to be one player that's going to really – is it going to be Kawhi stamping his legacy? It's going to be set, or Steph Curry in it and putting – you know, that legacy on him, maybe putting the team on his back. Is it going to be a Draymond? I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be – I think Steph is going to have one of his magic games. I think it's going to be his, his time to shine tonight. You took mine earlier, Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook. He's but from you took Duke, it, man. So I'd better say Sean Livingston or Sean something Livingston. like that. They need help. They, they need a little bit from everybody, you know. Yeah. Quinn, but, but Quinn Cook's one of those guys – he's one of those energy guys. He's, he's just a – you know, he's not the biggest guy, but he can come in, he can shoot the ball. He's a, he's a decent defender for his size, so they're going to need help from everybody. But I think watch for Steph Curry to really put the team on his back, um, and who knows, maybe Clay will score forty in one quarter like he did previous season. I don't know. Well, I tell you what, I got to get up on out of here. I've got a open house event. Technically, I've moved into my apartment like six months ago, but tonight is its grand opening. Oh, really? Which we're able to do now that the power's back on. Did you get affected by that power outage earlier today? Earlier today. Didn't hear about that? No, I'm We lost power for a little bit. I went over my lunch break. I went to the post office. I was going to, I had some cards to get in the mail. You know, we have an important holiday coming up on Sunday. And they say, you know, we can't mail anything because there's no power. Oh, wow. I didn't know that you needed power for that. I don't know. I'm not mocking the profession. I don't know what goes into sending mail out. But apparently that's something that needs power. Unless so it's an email. My cards might, <laughs> might be a little delayed. Yeah, good excuse. Tanner. Doing my best good. to try to get them in the, <laughs> in the mail. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I didn't, I didn't see no power. Just lights were on for me. You know, they were out at my place. Hmm. I went, couldn't open the garage. Wow. Figured something was up. And then all the traffic lights were Well, I know like sometimes, sometimes if, it's, if it's in a very secluded area, it's because you know, there might have been a car accident where a light pole mm-hmm. went down. So maybe that was the case. Well, it just seemed like it affected this area. There were the stoplights here weren't working, and I live a few blocks here from the office. So it, yeah, I don't know. must have just been kind of an isolated thing. Maya. Tell you what, that is it for us, though. I'll be back on tomorrow, same time and place, 4 Eastern, 3 Central. For Jake Duran, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to Sports Pen and ESPN-UP.